Welcome back to Pulp Friction. It's the first show to argue that Jennifer's body is about 9-11. Thank you very much. My name is Rocky. Ruth's name is Ruth. And it's episode 69, baby. Yeah. <laughs> we, we're turning up. We are, we are out here to have a good time. We're out here to talk about Eminem, mm-hmm. what could be the first of many episodes about Eminem. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, there's a lot of friction there, obviously. Um, and we will get to our news segment, uh, but first, we can sort of set the table here by maybe talking about our individual sort of histories with Eminem. Okay. I was actually, I was thinking about the whole, a lot, like, while listening to the album in the past week, I've just been like, okay, getting it organized in my brain. And it's definitely, like, I was very aware of Eminem as, like, this cultural phenomenon for much, for, like, a good chunk of my childhood. Like, there was this one girl in my elementary school class that for every biography project would always do it on Eminem. (laughs) So, like, I listened to this, like, rando girl explain his life, like, multiple times and just remember being, like, baffled by, like, what is up with this guy? But, like, I did not know the music at all. Um, Wow. And then... Yeah, I exclusively listened to country music as a child. Like, <laughs> where did you grow up? I grew up in Western Massachusetts. Oh, okay. And like, I had older cousins that were definitely listening to Eminem and like more of what was popular. And so, it was, but it was sort of like, oh, that's what they listen to. I don't know. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I really started adoring and listening to Eminem a lot when I was in college, and then especially during 2020. Um, <laughs> yeah, which is. Uh, an interesting thing that happened uh mm-hmm. i can dive into that now yeah well i feel like that was a point where we all learned that like it was sort of a moment of like life's too short to <laughs> yeah. worry about like you know who's gonna judge you for like i got back into like minecraft youtubers at that time i got yeah. back into like game grumps which i'm being very brave by admitting on air here <laughs> but <laughs> yeah i mean no, I totally get that. I, I'll, I'll, I'll go into my thing, but I want you to finish yours. Yeah, well, basically, I feel like 2020 was a rough year for everybody. And it was also, like, when I was coming out at the same time, and I just had, like, all of this anger. And so I just, like, really connected to Eminem and just, totally. like, how performative it is and how angry it is. Mm-hmm. and just like it's not even like anger directed at anything in particular it's just everything and like that's just where i was i was like really depressed and angry so i listened to a lot of eminem and then he ended up being my most listened to artist in 2020 according to spotify by like a lot <laughs> that that adds up you know we um we did we did the episode on limp biscuit over here back in the day mm-hmm. uh, that's sort of i think i think we talked about some similar themes at that time and we'll get into the relationship between Eminem and Limp Bizkit, because they're obviously mentioned on this album. But um, for me, it was, I grew up in Detroit in the 2000s, and Eminem was inescapable. There was, yeah. a, there was a radio station that advertised that they played more Eminem than the other stations. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, me and my brother, you know, these, these dweeby little Jewish kids... In Metro Detroit, 
Um, we obviously, you know, Eminem was one of the things that all all the kids were, all the boys were talking about, the girls were talking about. My mom liked Eminem, um, and so it was just sort of a state, a cultural staple of our childhood. And I feel like the idea, you know, I knew Eminem was provocative always, obviously, but even the idea of Eminem's controversy kind of escaped me until I was like. Tenish, you know, I yeah. just I just sort of knew him as this sort of omnipresent thing, um, and so I feel like nowadays I have a more mixed opinion on Eminem overall. I think he is a very funny and clever writer, and I feel like that's the thing that I latched onto about him is his like wordplay and stuff. Um, he's not one of my top rappers, not one of my top like listen to artists or favorite artists or anything like that, but. I do still have that appreciation of, like, the first music that I, like, took in and talked about with people was Eminem, really. And it was sort of a progression from listening to Eminem to listening to other hip-hop to listening to other kinds of music. So I I, I know everything about Eminem's music, basically, yeah. even though I even though I'm not his, like, biggest fan. And me and my brother will still, like talk about it whenever there's a new uh Eminem song or album or anything like that it's it's uh something that we get together about so i have all kinds of sort of nostalgic associations with him and i am not above making fun of him either oh yeah he's a very weird silly dude like he he's both an easy target but like also kind of deserves it in his own way i don't know and he kind of asks yeah. for it so it's sort of like you know Exactly. So we will get into all that, but first, our news segment, da 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 what's poppin', we have to talk about Evil Dead Rise. Yes. I'm very intrigued to talk about this, because I saw on Letterboxd that you gave it two stars, and I was like, mm -hmm. okay, this will be interesting, because, like, and I've had other friends that were, like, mixed on it, as, who were like, mm, I don't know, but I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I didn't love it, but I really liked it. Yeah, I feel... It, it, as I think about it more, my complaint right out of the gate was that it, like, is so... It, it has no surprises. It telegraphs everything. You always know where it's going to go. And then it's like... As someone who doesn't have that high of a tolerance for, like, you know, jump-scary horror stuff, I should like that. Mm-hmm. You know, but but I don't know. I just feel like um, the l like I always knew what was going to happen. You know, it, yeah. it, it's I mean, it, it does it deliberately. It does like this Edgar Wright sort of thing where like in the first 40 minutes, it's like, oh, there's scissors under the couch. There's a people you don't need to set up that there's a people in the door. Um, <laughs> we, we get it. It's an apartment. But um, the you know it, it it does this very deliberate thing of setting everything up but it also feels like even within i mean you know you'll see like the book fly open to a page that yeah. shows you what's going to happen in the next scene yeah. <laughs> like it's very telegraphed in that way but i don't know i feel like what i like about the evil dead movies and admittedly i'm not like the world's biggest fan of them i like army of darkness a lot but i feel like what i like about those movies is that they are inventive and they you know don't necessarily have the tone you'd expect them to or go in the directions you'd expect them to and yeah i just um i i like the cast 
in the in, in yeah. this in this movie a lot. I thought they were all great. I liked how they they really got to have fun like being deadites and like I'm not sure the idea of like seeing the transformation of these characters into deadites I'm like mixed on, I think, but I like that we get to see them we, we get to see them as characters and then really relish in their you know how they're like they're just just going balls to the wall. Yeah. Um but yeah, I guess that's my take on the movie. I agree that I wish it had gone further. That's like my big critique was that it like wasn't there were places where it could have gone so extreme and then it didn't. Like I really mm-hmm. I I don't know. Like with the last Evil Dead movie, the one that came out in like 2013, it was mm-hmm. like I get this is the first time they're doing a non-Ash Evil Dead movie. We're going to have to use, like, all the hallmarks to, like, ease all the middle-aged dads into, like, that they're, we're doing something new with Evil Dead. But with this one, it was, like, I really liked the main character. I really liked Beth. And I wanted her to be able to, like, have her own catchphrase and, like, her own weapon type, you know? Like, yeah. there were things like that where I was, like, it was leaning a little too heavily on the source material, where it was, like the whole point of doing the continuation of the franchise like this, like as an anthology is that you can do whatever you want. And there were things that it did that were new that I liked There ways that it updated the formula that I really liked. Like the record was cool. And I really just like dug that sequence. And I thought that the gore was pretty good. Like it was, I felt very nauseous in the theater during certain sequences, and I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> this is what we want." <laughs> like any Evil Dead movie should have like four colors of vomit minimum. Like that just like has to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. So like I dug all that, and I did. I loved the cast. Yeah, I actually liked the like. There's like an extended peephole sequence, and like I don't like that they set up the people, but I like that sequence because like it's such a classic horror thing of like. They, you know, you don't see them, and then suddenly they jump out and they're staring right at you. But instead, we just, like, we we, we just, like, watch everyone eat shit for, like, two minutes through the people. I like that. Um, Yeah, I I, I guess um, I would like to see something, like kind of a prey style thing where maybe like we're, we're obviously hearing like the record recording of the you know from like the 1920s i'd like to maybe see that as an evil dead movie yeah that would be fun the one of the priests is played by bruce campbell so they'd have to haul his ass out of retirement that was his cameo he voices one of the priests that would be pretty good That'd... if bruce campbell was was in there as a priest in a, yep. in a you know historical evil dead movie yeah um i mean speaking of me growing up in Detroit, I actually know members of the Raimi family. I went to school with them, so like, I, I I've sort of always had this like, th- th- this kind of connection to like Raimi and his stuff. Obviously, we all grew up with with uh, Spider Man and all yeah. that. And um, we uh, in our, in the last episode we did together, I talked about how I struggle with how much I like uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> yeah. Um, but 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 yeah, you know, I I I like that this Evil Dead thing is continuing, and I like th- it sort of charts an interesting path for like Evil Dead as an anthology series, I guess. Yeah. But as a film itself, yeah, I found it um, too uh, predictable. I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It definitely. I don't know. I find that I appreciate more when movies set things up because I there are so many movies that I see today that I feel like don't set anything up. 
Like, there's mm-hmm. so much just, like, the rug being pulled out from under you, especially in, like, big mainstream blockbusters, that when a movie, like, telegraphs things and sets up and then fulfills what they set up, I'm like, yes, these writers know how to write. Right, yeah. I assume you haven't seen Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. I haven't. <laughs> Might be the other movie we talk about. I know. I really, I was trying, I was so upset, because I was hosting a film screening at my local library on Friday. So opening night, mm-hmm. I couldn't go. And then the Super Mario Brothers movie is still taking up so much of the screen times that nothing lined up for me to do a double feature of The Covenant and Evil Dead. So I did a double feature of Renfield and The Evil Dead, which was fun. Nice. Did you like Renfield? I thought it was fun. I thought Nick Cage is, like, the thing in the movie. Like, I He's love... Stunning. I love Nicholas Holt. I always have. I continue to love him. There were other elements that I thought was fun. There was some, like surprising like gore and effect fight sequences that i thought were really funny some really cool gore i love yeah. the pra- like some cool practical effects yeah um like the skeleton nick cage from the beginning yeah um my feeling on it was like the tonal balance juggling act with like the sort of conventional romance plot that it has going oh, on yeah. i don't think really works yeah. but other than that i liked it a lot more than i was expecting to like i found it really funny uh really stylish uh like you're saying good action good gore i i i had a better time with it than i thought i would yeah it felt so much like something that would come out in like 2013 to me like it felt very Mm. old in the way that venom felt really old when it first came out Mm. and i kind of dug that but there were also elements of like i don't know aquafina's character and like the whole cop storyline that just felt like so overdone and so old and like yeah there there were elements of it that if they had been done differently, I think it would have been fantastic. But Nick Cage is so good, I don't care. Like, the whole movie is worth it for how good he is in this role. Absolutely. The the, the line that I'm thinking of, I was trying to remember, like, you know, just, just jokes from the movie, and the only one that comes to mind is Ben Schwartz with the bags of cocaine going, I have a prescription for this shit! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it got some laughs out of me, which... I, is a good sign half the time with comedies especially because i was in a empty theater it was me and i was like five minutes late because i was in a bookstore right beforehand it was like too caught up in the books and so it was me and like one other group of people no energy just me and this random dude on the other side of the theater and it still got some laughs out of me yeah the other movie i saw this weekend was uh bo is afraid which was like which i i loved it but crazy energy in that theater like you know You know, at at the end, it was like me and like three other people started clapping, and other people were like already running out of the theater. <laughs> like... Yeah, that's my favorite kind of a twenty four experience at the movie theater. Like when I saw the Green Knight, and it was mm-hmm. packed, and at the very end, someone just stood up and went, "What the fuck was that?" It was so funny. <laughs> that's what I like to see. Yeah, like I want people to be confused, angry that their friend brought them. I love it. Let's talk about the Eminem show. Okay, yeah. We are talking about Eminem's third studio album. Uh, we're starting with that one. Um, you said it was your favorite. It's probably my favorite, too. Yeah. Um, it, we, we, we'll, we'll get to the other ones, I think, if, if, if all goes well here. But we, you know, just to set the scene for where Eminem is at this point, we're not going to do, like, the origin story stuff. Um but in 2000 he puts out the marshall mathers lp his second album at the time it was the fastest selling solo album in history as well as one of the most acclaimed and controversial albums of the year 
uh, received criticism for violent, misogynistic, homophobic lyrics, as well as a reference to Columbine, which had occurred only one year earlier. Um, in February 2001, when Eminem was scheduled to perform at the Grammys, Glad protested the event. And then in the weeks leading up to the show, it leaked that he would be performing with Elton John, mm-hmm. which caused even more controversy. Mm-hmm. And people were like, how could Elton John do this? The San Francisco Chronicle reported it as, quote, pop music's most outspoken gay rights advocate performing a duet with pop music's most notorious homophobe. Have you, you, you've seen that performance, yes, of course. Yes, And I am right now remembering that I meant, I think I have to run across my room and grab my copy of Elton John's memoir because he writes about it. And it, Eminem comes up multiple times in his memoir, and it's hilarious every time. <laughs> yeah, what, what I hear is that they... Um, they like stayed friends they, yeah they're they're still very close elton john was his aa sponsor and he says in his memoir he's like every time i call eminem eminem like answers his phone and goes hey bitch and that's really it with eminem <laughs> like it's just elton john being like that's who he is <laughs> it's so funny yeah, and, and elton john sort of said at the time around the performance like i wouldn't have done it if i thought eminem was really a homophobe yeah um, I, I, I think that's a, that's a really good performance and it kind of, it was like a reset moment for Eminem where like he did that and then he like in 2001, he didn't really put anything else out. He had his, his renegade feature with Jay-Z, but he didn't like put out any singles or make any high profile appearances or anything. So it was kind of a moment of like, is Eminem going to keep being homophobic? What's yeah. like... What's the next thing going to be? And then the other reset moment in 2001 was 9-11, the subject matter of Jennifer's body, um, which, uh, you know, that caused practically every celebrity and trend that was big right before 9-11 to, like, either completely recenter or die on the vine. Um, In the Limp Bizkit episode, we talked about how they didn't put out anything until, like, 2003, and then that album was a complete bomb where they were, like, trying to be more serious but also like still being like biscuit and yeah. it was a tough time frank miller was out here releasing his uh batman kills uh the taliban comic <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh so after a year with no new releases eminem returned with the first single from his third album the eminem show which was without me um we'll get into without me later it's probably my favorite eminem song it's damn throwing good. that out there. Yeah, he says the album was inspired by the Truman Show. "Quote: uh, My life felt like it was becoming a circus around that time, and I felt like I was always being watched." Which is, you know, I, I see that theme in the album, but like it's also presented as like a like a one man show kind of thing with yeah. the with the curtain call and all that, and and you know that's obviously his next album's encore and then curtain call. So so there's sort of a mixed metaphor there, but he also told Spin, "Quote." One of the frustrating things was people saying he's got a cuss to sell records. That's why with this album, I toned it down a bit as far as shock value. I wanted to show that I'm a solid artist and I'm here to stay. So he clearly, like, took to heart that idea of having to reinvent and the, you know, the controversy and the Elton John thing. He was like, I am going to kind of clean up here. And so as a result of that, this is definitely, it's his tamest album overall. It's also like just just at the time after like him being the most controversial guy on the planet for for three years there 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 was like zero controversy around his album and he you know he he like won an oscar (laughs) less than six months after this album came out like he 
it, he cleaned up that fast, and it became the, the, the critics said at the time it became socially acceptable to listen to Eminem, which is interesting because I feel like starting with White America is such an aggressive start to the album. It's true, especially compared to like earlier today, I was re-listening to Slim Shady and the Marshall Mathers LP, and it's like I don't know both of, both of them to start like it, it's Eminem, so it's always aggressive, but there's something really specifically like in your face about starting with white america on the top of this album it is and it's a more like it's a less violent album but it is a more like aggressive album in the sense of attitude yeah like he's angrier he sounds angrier there's less like goofy funny <laughs> yeah and he's playing with these rock sounds with the the aerosmith sample and and, and all that he um is is you know he's reinventing like we're saying yeah yeah and like that comes up like that's again like always a theme in his work but like i don't know there's something about that like always coming up with the new characters and the working new elements in i don't know like because the first two were like about setting the identity and then this one feels like he's like perform like he's actually embodying it even more it's true uh, one commentator noted that around this time and became a guilty pleasure for baby boomers. It became this thing for like people who, you know, were of the like Bob Dylan, Paul McCartney, like that kind of generation who who felt like pop music had gotten really dull from mm. a songwriting perspective. They were like, here's Eminem, here's a guy with like this this really shocking and and completely different voice. And I, I, of course, I think there's there's racism in the fact that Eminem yeah. is the one they they latch on to, but yeah. that's what happens. And he he's so aware of that. Like I it's think that's true. part of why I love his work is because he's so self. Like even in like even when it's like the dumbest, stupidest thing, he's like kind of always making fun of himself on some level. Yeah, and I think there are people who go too far in that i i i'm thinking of macklemore but i yeah. i also think they're like people who like try to downplay it and don't mention it at all like jack harlow and then you have like people who like get too goofy and too i shouldn't be here like like macklemore eminem is like very self-assured very aware of his talents but also aware of the you know the 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 absurdity of his presence yeah yeah so, so this is just some some stuff I didn't know. The album was meant to come out on June fourth, and then on May tenth, before the single even came out, the whole thing leaked online. And Opie and Anthony played the full bootlegged album on their radio show on May seventeenth, <laughs> like 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 before the <laughs> before it was supposed to come out. Um, so they they all that just pushed Interscope to move the album's release date up to May 28th. Some record stores were selling it as early as May 24th, and promotional posters were up in stores that read, quote, America couldn't wait. Uh, the album was another critical and commercial hit. It won M his third consecutive Best Rap Album trophy at the Grammys, and it is overall Eminem's best-selling album and one of the 50 best-selling albums of all time. Yeah. So to get into it we start with the again this 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 curtains up skit this 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 idea of the stage show the one-man show you know just just something very minor and then we get right into white america yeah 
and it's a change up from the first two albums which both started with the public service announcement so it's like that's true immediately change of formula change of formula whole different name you could talk about the progression from slim shady to marshall mathers to eminem um but white america is also an interesting track because it's very in line with some of the the other artists who were around at the same time as eminem who eminem was like doing something different from and that's kind of how he blew up like there's obviously the big new metal rap rock kind of stuff of that era like limp biscuit and like some other people and white america sort of feels like it's playing with that rap rock sound in yeah. a way that eminem had not done at all up to that point yeah this is definitely because i feel like when i started listening to eminem because when i was little i only knew of him as the like controversial scary guy and really like i didn't like, I truly know so little about rap music, it's embarrassing. Like, I will make a fool of myself at least, like, a few times during the course of this episode. Because sure. it's just, like, not something that anyone in my family, in my immediate family, ever listened to. And so mm-hmm. then, when I started sort of, like, literally, like, age 20, dipping my toe in Eminem, songs like this were just so... They just blew me away. Because they were, like, nothing else that I was listening to or that was around and even like i love metal but it's like i i I primarily listened to glam metal at that point so it was like right just to it's so aggressive in your face unafraid to just say exactly what he wants to say and it's been talked about a lot about like the bush era yeah the 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 lack of like of like protest music yeah you know like, like like if you look back at the era there's really so few artists who were like really like hitting against the war and like and like and like you know finding an audience for it american idiot is sort of the only but like one that really hit like that and and white america i think it 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 works because i you know he he could have done like a lot of stuff that was that was like he obviously references the cheneys and and tipper gore and all these people on the album and that's great yeah he could have done a whole song that was like that this song instead is sort of like talking about more systemic things and then at the end being like burn the flag fuck you miss cheney fuck you tipper gore like <laughs> like yeah. you know he, he, he sort of brings it home at the end it's funny that he had to censor burn the flag <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. is just that is just a, a real sign of, of how that era was yeah and i do i again show how out of the loop i am on many things i did not know who tipper gore was until the combination of this song and then on uh warrant's cherry pie album the last track is called ode to tipper gore and it's just the just them swearing and saying like ridiculous things at concerts and so and it's only on the explicit version and i was literally just like what is up with just this entire era of music just being like well fuck tipper gore and that's when i learned all about many things but Mm -hmm. it's like funny to see across completely different genre or maybe not completely different genres but like very disparate artists of like cherry pie (laughs) yeah and then white america both being like fuck you tipper gore yeah and i think the in terms of the song overall i don't i i, I don't think it like to, i have a real fondness for this song i don't think mm. like the hook and the rap rock thing totally works for eminem but the it has a cool structure to it where each verse is sort of taking a different angle on it the mm-hmm. first verse is about like 
his his rise to fame and how he like got into trouble with like law and politicians the second verse is like examining like the his privilege as he you know and how like his privilege increased as he got more famous the third verse um sort of brings it all home like you know surely hip-hop was never a problem in harlem only in boston after it bothered the fathers of daughters starting to blossom yeah um i really like the final part of that verse it's like just look at me like i'm your closest pal the poster child the motherfucking spokesman now for white america the it's it's a great sort of taunt and sort of a, a a really astute kind of analysis of you know why he is such a source of controversy and yet so successful within white america and the i think this is explored more later in the album but the idea that he is sort of you know bringing these things into the 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 white picket fence suburban homes yeah and this is the song that does that goes into that the best because is it yeah it's criminal is the other one that i always think of with like that sort of theme of like Mm -hmm. that one and also um oh my god when it comes up i there's something that i feel like i connected to about him just these themes where he's talking about like suburban malaise and like these teens that are just angry at the world but don't really have a way to express it and then they see this Mm -hmm. like scrawny angry white kid on stage like shitting on everything and like saying words that their parents would that like their parents get upset about and like it ties into it all ties together and it's i don't i don't know what i'm saying i'm rambling here but yeah he just says it exactly he says exactly what he's doing he's like people connect with me because i'm an angry white kid and the angry white kids are like cool another angry white kid who's been successful and he just says it up front which i appreciate and which i think is part of why i love it that song also has a video there's very like angela anaconda sort of off-putting early 2000s animation thing going on yeah um the next track is business uh which i like a lot i like the um the whole the whole batman and robin shtick that comes back in the without me video um you know have seen a resurgence lately because of the shazam 2 trailer which we all know and love um (laughs) It's it's the song with the the bit I always think about where he's rhyming things with orange. Yes. Um, it's like you know not the most like lyrically that doesn't have too much to say relative to some of the other songs, but like really fun sort of lyrics here. My favorite line is the most feared duet since me and Elton played the career, career Russian roulette. Yeah, it's a fun track. It's I love this one. This was one of my favorites on the album. It's so fun. It's so catchy. Mm-hmm. It. The, yeah, that line where oranges, peach, pears, plums, syringes, vroom, vroom, here I come. Like, I love, like, it's just, it's fun. It is um, fun. And it's got some of that great Dre production. It's one of the, like, four yeah. songs on this album that Dre produced, and it's just, like, it, it really hits. It really brings it home. I love, like, the, the sort of, like, 70s, like, choir in the background. <laughs> like, yeah. Marshall. Yeah. And it's definitely one that, like, it's so tame compared to so much of his previous stuff that it's like this is what would make this is the kind of thing that you put it on an album and people are gonna be like oh yeah we can we can hit with eminem now he's just making you know diss tracks but other rappers that's normal you know yeah it's like a step down from the aggression totally 
and still, you know, has all the fun of like uh, a real Slim Shady without me. Some of those, uh, some some of those, like um, my name is, you know, the yeah. stuff that brought him up to begin with. Um, but you know, with a little more polish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. After that is cleaning out my closet, which I heard on the radio in public recently. It was a it was a really huge hit. Um, <laughs> I think is forgotten for how big of a hit it was in a way even though it's yeah. a very like sort of iconic part of like the Eminem lore the idea that like they played it on the radio a lot i think it's lost in it but like yeah just classic you know emotional minimal early 2000s kind of beat um it's like sort of set up as if he's going to be dissing his mom and he does but he also like you know, talks about his dad and turns the spotlight on himself, talks about him uh, confronting Kim and the, the the scene that comes back throughout the album where, he, you know, he, he confronts Kim and the guy that she's cheating on him with with a gun and he, like, had thoughts about shooting them. And, and, and then in the third verse, he does sort of, like, get a little more specific about, you know, the ways that his mom abused him as he was growing up. Yeah. The line that really stood out to me while I was really listening to this and during the past week was literally like the opening. Have you ever been hated or discriminated against? I have. I've been protated, protested and demonstrated against. And it's just like, I can't, this album is so tied to my transition. It's ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. And like lines like that, it's just, I can't help but connect to Cause it's like, yeah, Eminem, that has happened. <laughs> that has happened. Definitely. Um, it is. Yeah. And it, there's, like it's so like it's ridiculous but it also i love it that like this random kid has like like so many times on this album he raps things that still feel so relevant now because it's just about like really divided country really divided politics just like all of this energy Mm -hmm. and yeah in 2020 when i was very angry and trying to come out it was stuff like this where it was like you've been hated I'm like yeah <laughs> that it's still like i could i just i turn i crank it up and i and i scream it out because it's still like somehow like part of my lived experience even though like my life is nothing like his yeah it's a thought i had about when america too again the idea that like this has a reputation for being his, his tamest album but if you picture like a younger artist who's very popular coming out with a song like white america there would be like a real firestorm around it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was also, I watched a, an interview with Lil Nas X where he was talking about the lyrics to industry, I think. Cause in that he has a line about mm-hmm. like being sued. And like a lot of the release around that video was about the controversy with the shoes and everyone getting mad at him about the blood shoes. And in this interview, he was like, I don't feel like you've make it, made it big until someone tries to sue you, until people get mad and start protesting against you. And I kept mm-hmm. sort of thinking about that in relation to, like, the images and the stories that Eminem's telling in this album of, like, he is broken big. He is huge at this point. And he's, like... But he's also hated, but that's also part of why he's so big. Like, it, he's playing with that sort of the way that everyone who hates him loves him, but all the people who love him hate, like... He's playing with it directly in the album, and it's so clearly like a post-enormous breakthrough kind of album. Yeah, I, I I really agree. And I think there's something interesting to be said about, I think, in the 2010s, um, 
you there was this relative lack of of like controversial new artists yeah um and i think there's a similar there's like sort of a parallel thing with like the music industry and the film industry during that decade but the you know i think in the early there's a post eminem era in the like late aughts early tens where it's just like any pop star is going to get death threats for no reason i call this era the golden age of haters and we talk about it on the podcast a lot yeah um but just you know if you're a kesha or justin bieber or lady gaga or whatever like you're 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 every everyone's gonna be a hater that that, that was just like par for the course and i think sort of in reaction to that there came an era of like very safe and respected pop music that now partially because of this like the the this post-trump conservatism um we're seeing that we're seeing like you know there there finally is first of all an audience who's out there in the world who is going to look for things to call satanic again yeah um but there's also i think more of an urgency and i think tiktok sort of created this platform for like artists to not have to go through the studio system to get a hit um all those all those things sort of converge to now have an era where like suddenly sam smith is controversial (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know uh fun times that's a really interesting because i i hadn't really thought about that but yeah just thinking about early 2000s pop music my brain always goes back to the lmfao like they're the defining Mm -hmm. artist of that era for me because they were so Mm -hmm. big when we were in middle school and like they came and they existed and then they disappeared and i think that's part of why they are like my token of that era because Mm -hmm. that's the only time they ever existed back when like dancing zebras and that one the walking man dance was like the biggest thing on the planet because it was yeah. like artists were like we can't get canceled but now it's like yeah we're th- i'm very grateful that we're back in an era where it's like being canceled is what you want almost because it means you've actually struck a chord and said something worth saying the next track is uh square dance which is not my favorite <laughs> no it's one i tend to skip I, yeah, there. I didn't take many notes on it. I'm sort of looking through the lyrics because I remember being like, "There's some. There's obviously um, some stuff. He's obviously like going after Bush again and like sort of provoking some of these this hysteria around the the war and talking about you know go to Beirut and do a show there. Uh, you laugh till your ass gets drafted. Um, the you know when I say Hussein, you say shady." uh they like that stuff is fun uh um but but as a song you know it's not the it's not the best no i think there's something about the production on it that just never really hit for me Mm -hmm. and i don't know that if i could articulate why because i'm i don't have the vocabulary around music to do stuff like that but it's almost like a little too repetitive i think yeah yeah i think it um doesn't doesn't have like standout moments really yeah like it's sort of he's saying interesting things but he's sort of saying them again and again and then i think if the song was shorter i'd be more into it but there reaches a point where we get the point you don't need to keep saying it after that is the kiss skit which acts out the incident that he talks about on cleaning out my closet where he you know 
uh, catches Kim in the act, pulls out a gun, and then you have Soldier. Yeah. I love the transition from that skit into Soldier. Because mm-hmm. it, it's very immediate, and it the, the buildup of the skit works so well going into Soldier. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I haven't paid Soldier much mind in the past, but listening to it for this, I was like, no, oh, this is really good. Yeah. And it's it's one where he sort of talks to sort of the same idea he's talking to in white America where it's like kids listen to him and look up to him, but they don't get where he's coming from, you know, like where Mm. it's like, this is why kids think I'm hot shit and why they like white America is almost more about like why kids connect with him and soldiers about like what they don't get and like why he's the way he is, which again comes up in criminal another track that I love that's not on this album of like, I don't even remember where the lyric is, but about like, you know, people think they have to carry around a gun, but it's like they don't realize that for us, that's life or death, you know? Yeah, I think there's the interesting sort of connective tissue from talking about getting drafted in Square Dance to talking about himself as a soldier on this track. And I feel like people tend to interpret this song as like, he's a soldier because he's resilient but i feel like there's a lot of like the soldier metaphor is actually like a lot deeper and a lot more interesting than i think people sometimes give it credit for um because you can just look at it it refers like mostly he's referring to like his willingness to kill but it's also associated with like loss of identity yeah and his yeah he he sort of parallels in terms of talking about Hip hop and like him as like a lower as like lower class black people becoming, you know, you know gang members and all that and his upbringing as a poor white boy leads to him becoming a soldier even if he's not literally a soldier. Yeah, yeah. This is a track that always came across really sad to me. Like it always felt like it makes me picture that sort of like the one soldier in the mass marching, like sort of it. And I think a lot of that has to do with the production of, like, the marching sound in the background constantly, which just adds this, like, whole, like, sadness and, like, de- depre- like it depresses the any fun that might be found on the track, I guess, for me. Where, like, it is fun, but it's also, I can't stop thinking about, like, that imagery of kids marching off to war and kids losing themselves and, like, being forced into violence so it's, yeah, this is a track that always bums me out, but it's one that also kicks ass, so. I think if you listen to Soldier in a vacuum, like, without the context of the rest of the album, you could easily come away from it. Like, it's this this inspirational, you know, Eminem, I think, with time, developed this reputation for being, like, gym music. <laughs> I feel like Soldier sort of fits into that. But Which is hilarious to me. In the context of this album that's talking about the war... And, you know, you know, Eminem's sort of upbringing and the, you know, how, like, like he's sort of reflecting on, like, his privilege and his, his lack of privilege and how the more famous he got, the more privilege he experienced. And, like, in the context of the whole album, you you can't really look at Soldier that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's too connected to the post-9-11 of it all. It's too connected to the way that he was just facing so much fame that you know he never expected and that was when you go from where he 
started to where he ends up by this album it's like like the whole thing's about him feeling like he's in the truman show and you feel it you feel like he's being put through the paces um and like soldier is the one that gets into that the most like the whole metaphor in the chorus of like even if he falls apart he'll keep going like it, it reminds me of sort of this is like a very specific like thing that my brain thinks of but uh, when Stan Lee was at the very end of his life and they would just like roll him out at conventions this poor old man like he was at Boston Comic Con one of the years I went and we didn't pay to see him because it was ridiculous expensive but like I just it's like this guy's gonna die and they're still gonna be wheeling him out for fans to get his autograph like it's tragic the next track is Say Goodbye Hollywood uh, I was I was messed up the title because the, the chorus is Say Goodbye Say Goodbye to Hollywood yeah, Sing by Hollywood is an interesting song. I think it um it it was sort of the moment I think this happens with a lot of Eminem records where like and, and, and this happens with a lot of rappers where it's just like where they are in life, but like he'll he'll like slip into a flow and he's you know, it starts to show up on every song. Yeah. <laughs> where I, I'm trying to think if I could like 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 articulate what it is, but it's sort of the lose yourself flow also, like like it just, you know, he 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 slides into the same cadence. Yeah. Um, and and I noticed that on this track. I think it you know is is I, I like this song a lot. I think it's a you know relatively repetitive compared to some of the other stuff on the album. But I like that he comes back to the confrontation with Kim, but like sort of puts it in this new context of you know like like the pressures of, of fame and wanting to step out of the limelight and all that uh yeah i don't know good track yeah i think the line that it sort of gets at like his theme of you know his life being a show is is best in this in, the line that best explains that is in this song with because all i wanted was to give Haley the life i never had but instead i force us to live alienated because it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, he has the fame, but now he also, his kid is living in this like completely like fucked up in entirely new ways that don't have to do with poverty, you know? Yeah, I think there's a lot of people who do stuff with the, you know, uh, fame is a prison and all that, where where you know they just come off sounding kind of whiny. But I think the fact that M clearly feels guilty about the impact that his fame has on other people yeah that's really what he's exploring here that that's kind of interesting i wouldn't listen i wouldn't let my kids listen to me neither like right and i i remember before i even listened to his music when i was really little one of the first things i knew because it was like an anecdote that one of my older cousins was talking about was like how he doesn't let his daughter date anyone who listens to his music and like that was so strange in my brain of like whoa he's so it feels very self-aware but it's also kind of i don't like i don't know there's so much to unpack in just that right speaking of so much to unpack the <laughs> next track is drip i will admit i skip this one quite a bit just because it skews me out <laughs> yeah it's, <laughs> it's sort of unpleasant um it's a song about stds <laughs> yep uh <laughs> and and avoiding them um uh obi trice has has the line pussy residue was on my penis <laughs> yep uh also the the for surely pussy on toast line is fun too um 
yeah, definitely probably like the least memorable <laughs> song no. on the album. Although it is memorable in its own way, I guess. But yeah. um, I do kind of like the narrative twist of like at the end of Eminem's part, it's like they both fucked the same girl <laughs> and they both got HIV from it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not great. No. And there's something about the production of it, like the the sound that just makes it sound gross. Like I appreciate how yeah. gross it is because you know it it's a it's like it's dealing with stds but then it also like it's physically like hard for me to listen to it because it sounds gross yeah and i think you know encore his next album is such a such a drop in quality relative to his previous three but i think you listen to a song like drips and you you can tell like where those ideas <laughs> sprung from yeah i think he, he plays with he plays with that idea of like gross sounding music a lot on yeah. his next couple records which i love because people don't do that or if they do it's like really heavy industrial music which i haven't really super gotten into there's definitely something to appreciate about people who like will will make unpleasant music or otherwise unpleasant art on purpose yeah and that's definitely like in my brain the love and appreciation I have for Eminem is very adjacent to the love and appreciation I have for John Waters and Clive Barker mm-hmm. because they are mm-hmm. all people that make art that is very specifically disgusting. And like, that's the point And that's the goal is that it freaks you out and it is in your face and it is gross as hell. And mm-hmm. I just love that there's, and especially just because we've been so starved of that for the last decade, there's been so little, of anyone trying to push those buttons. Yeah, it's sort of a reason that I... There are certain public celebrities who are sort of, like, villains in their field, where it's like, you know you don't get there by... Like, like you can tell that they know what they're doing, and so I kind of have this respect for them, like um, Amy Schumer, um, Machine Gun Kelly a little bit, like, yeah. like, like people who, you know, are willing to play a very unpleasant character pete davidson in his early days too like i i have an appreciation for that yeah machine gun kelly's an interesting one because he hitched his wagon so hardcore to uh motley crew which that's been their shtick right. from the beginning was like look right. at how shitty we are and then like <laughs> like the dirt is such a wild movie that would be a great episode actually that's an insane yeah. movie and the title track that they released for that featuring machine gun kelly is a banger in my opinion i listen to it quite a bit but it definitely so much of my perception of machine gun kelly is just built on how much he was like yeah i'm tommy lee yeah (laughs) which is so funny i i don't know if i've actually put this opinion out there on the air before i like machine gun kelly's pop punk stuff a lot yeah i i don't like him as a rapper I don't even really like his personality, <laughs> but I think he, I, I think he's good at the pop punk stuff, and I, I hope he keeps it up. I haven't listened to enough of his stuff to really have an opinion, but I do really dig the track that he did on the Dirt soundtrack, and I thought he was really good in that movie because he's so adjacent to who Tommy Lee is. Like he, it's the mm-hmm. perfect cast, the perfect casting. Absolutely, absolutely. He was my pick for playing Fade in Dune Part Two. That's that, that's what I wanted to see. I know so I know nothing about Dune. I played the scary child in a movie my brother made when he was in high school, and that is all I know about Dune. That and the sandworms. That's, that's it. All you got. Great, great. Well, that role ended up being played by Austin Butler. 
Oh, the, that's the okay. Scene. That'll yeah. That's strangely makes sense. Machine Gun Kelly and yeah. Austin Butler they work next to each other in my brain, which is hilarious. Yeah, it, it's also it's the role that Sting played in the David Lynch version. Right. Okay. Okay. It's coming together for me. Yeah, my my state of mind was kind of like they should get you know a musician to play yeah. <laughs> to play the role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The next track, uh, thankfully, <laughs> is without me. Yep. Which, as I said, is probably my favorite Eminem song. It's not his most uh, deep in terms of subject matter, or his most like. You know, there are the songs like your your Stan and your Cleaning Out My Closet, even the songs that have a reputation for just being like really well crafted and emotional and stuff like that. Yeah. Without me, I think is the perfect distillation of like the best stuff about Eminem. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? It's definitely like it hits all the things that you know Eminem for while still being really catchy and really listenable and really like you can sing along with it. And it's in your yeah. face, but it's not so in your face that like, it's something that would still make your mom uncomfortable if you played it in the car, but, like, not so much that, like, you want to, like, die. <laughs> There's other stuff about it, too, where it's just, like, a, you know, classic beat, great hook. I think, you know, Eminem in, like, recent years, in, like, the past decade, has become very focused on, like, the technical aspects of his performance mm-hmm. and his writing and just, like, how like, like how he can perform as a rapper. But I think the na 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 part from this song is still, like, one of the most impressive things <laughs> that he's ever done. Yeah. And even, like, within the content of the song, he's, like, referencing so many of the other ideas that come up in the other songs on the album. Like, this is sort of it's the true. distillation of the entire Eminem Show album. Yeah. And I mean, speaking of Austin Butler, there's there's a lot of talk about Elvis yep. on this track. Yep, which of course came <laughs> full circle. I am so glad they got him to be on the Elvis movie because it's literally like they had to. Y- you can't avoid it. <laughs> yeah, and the the Eminem Elvis conversation is something that's very interesting. You know, we did the the two part episode on Elvis where we talked about the guy, and then we talked about the movie, and um, I think there's. That's the interesting thing, is that, like, Elvis was deferential to the black artists who 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 actually created rock and roll. And he was a big fan of theirs, and he would shout them out at every opportunity, and he couldn't really do it in his music because it wasn't the style, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was early rock and roll, it was, like, love songs and stuff, but he obviously had this tangible racist impact on the music industry um that i think if if he was oblivious to at the very least the colonel knew all about it um where you know he 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 was he was the one who sanitized the the rock tracks that were coming out by infusing them with country and just being white and then like he was he was still a huge source of controversy and you know people talked about how he would like um, defy segregation laws and and um, they tried to have him arrested and he you know all that he was too sexual all like all of these things um, and so I, I do think you could talk about Eminem in much the same way and at the same time there are there, there are differences because Eminem wasn't really making like, mass market music the way that the way that Elvis was like he was extraordinarily successful 
because he was white and he says so multiple times on this album that he would have sold half as many records if if he wasn't white yeah but like he was he was making and part of this is just the difference between the 50s and the 90s that in the 90s it was the era of like beck and nirvana and like butthole surfers or like 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 people were looking for like the the quirkiest like sharp-edged you know indie music out there the most quirked up Um, white boy Exactly, and and Eminem fit very neatly into that, but I don't know. I, it, it's an interesting comparison to make. Yeah, it's definitely like just from the standpoint of making a predominantly making a genre of music that is predominantly seen as black music popular with a white audience. It's like an easy mm-hmm. comparison, but the way that they went about it is so different because like Elvis. Elvis is at this point music that your grandparents, the, like people's grandparents, like love still. It's it's very timeless. Right. Whereas Eminem, like ages in a weird way, where he's very much a time capsule of a specific time. Like it's True. it's the opposite. Yeah, I wonder if it's still the case that like, you know, Gen Xers and millennials will feel about Eminem in like thirty years the way that the way that grandparents feel about Elvis. Yeah. But there's also this this distinct thing where rock and roll was like starting to catch on with a broader audience. Elvis intentionally or not sort of ushered in wave after wave of white artists in rock to the extent that in, by the 70s or 80s, the idea that rock was black music became kind of blasphemous. Yeah. That was something that Elvis sort of started the train on. And I think Eminem... Um, and part of it again is just like there's more media. You see, you see more of people. There's social media, and just the progression of of, of civil rights since then, and and, and all, all these things about the industry. There's so many factors that go into it. But I think that Eminem, even when he was big, the idea was, oh, it's so different. I mean, this was the case with Elvis too. But like, you know, he he wasn't cleaning up hip hop. He was, yeah. you know doing hip-hop from his own perspective he wasn't like putting on the the airs of of you know um like like the the aesthetics of nwa like he was talking about his like trailer trash kind of kind of upbringing i don't know it's it's a nuanced thing i'm not making a a definitive point on it no there's so much to unpack that it's almost impossible to make like a definitive statement on it um yeah and the I feel like something that we haven't mentioned is how the BC Boys sort of came before Eminem, which yeah. is fascinating. And I have a friend who's like really hardcore into the Beastie Boys and told me about how Eminem would be like, Can you be on like would like ask them to be featured on one of his songs or to work with him? And they were like, No. <laughs> um, I don't know mm. much beyond that, but um there is the oh my god, I'm forgetting the name of the song. The Eminem song that samples the Beastie Boys uh berserk yes yeah and i remember one time i put on the bc boys when i was in the car with my mom and i was explaining them and my mom goes they're white but they're rapping and i was like yeah <laughs> like they're they're the other one that comes up when you talk about this sort of phenomenon of white rappers becoming wildly successful but the, but the, their bc boys are so different yeah, the the Beastie Boys are are also interesting in this conversation because they had like the first platinum rap album, and they I think are more so 
There's a progress. Then you could talk about Vanilla Ice too. That would be a whole yeah. other thing. But <laughs> and that's probably I would say the most egregious yes. <laughs> out of them. Yeah. But not just because he's bad, but because of the the particulars of what he did. Um, but the Beastie Boys were playing they they like Eminem they were playing a distinctly white character they were playing yeah. like frat boys yeah but they were more so aping like the aesthetics of hip hop it, it, it's a complicated thing like they weren't like trying to go for like you know radio hits with it but of course they were originally like a punk band and then they yeah. sort of transitioned into hip hop so it's a complicated question. I think they did a lot of things back then that they went on to regret, like almost naming their album Don't Be a Faggot and (laughs) and, uh, all sorts of other things. But um, it's an interesting question, too, with how Eminem reckons today with himself as an Elvis-type figure and, and, you know, his, his sort of somewhat racist legacy that he can't necessarily undo, but, like, what should he do about it now? It's It's a... It's an interesting thing. Yeah, and it, I, I really liked the B sides of music to be murdered by more than the original album. I remember when they yeah. dropped because I was up until midnight pulling an all nighter, and I just checked Spotify, and oh my god, there's a new Eminem album. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's on that that he sort of, it's like because that the B sides of music to be murdered by is so wild to me because it's Eminem's coronavirus album, like it's him. Right doing his like here's my response to 2020 and it so of course it has to hit on like the black lives matter protests and like it's so interesting to hear him talk about that stuff at that age when it's like he's so mm-hmm. removed and he's been he's been eminem for so long at that point like there's something very authentic about in the other in the earlier albums where he's talking about even like i love the song um one shot two shot and it's like, it's it's like, yeah, this is your experience, and you're sort of making light of it, and you're sort of making a fun song out of it. But like, it's so different from like listening to Eminem now, where it's like you've been living in Hollywood for God knows how long, and like, you have had a jacuzzi for God knows how long. Like it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a different. But he yeah he can't escape it, both because that's where he's from, like literally, but it's also like tied into the legacy of his music. Yes. I just really, I, I made notes on all of the little uh, beefs that Eminem touches on on Without Me, and I realized that I did not make note of the thing for Moby, which is yep. just that Moby uh, criticized Eminem, the, like, you know, after the Grammys, he said, I support Eminem's free speech, he's very good at what he does, but he's also misogynist and homophobe and racist. I'm 33 and can see through it, but I can't imagine that an eight-year-old in Idaho sees it as just a joke. Um, yeah, so, so, so there, there wasn't much of, like, a beef there, but I have notes on the, uh, specifics of each of the people who get called out here other than that. That's fantastic, because I know, I, I'm just, like, the way I listen to music is so much, I like this music, and then I don't look into much about it, so, like, my knowledge of this is very limited. I'm incredibly excited. (laughs) Yeah, the, um... The the cannabis stuff that's on the rest of the album is kind of too complicated to to get into, and it's not on this track. But um, Lynn Cheney targeted Eminem at a Senate Senate hearing for having misogynistic lyrics. The Chris Kirkpatrick thing <laughs> is 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 an interesting one because uh, M 
first he called out boy bands in general on the real slim shady and then he specifically said quote and sync stink on on i'm back and then on marshall mathers he said an anti-backstreet and ricky martin whose instincts to kill and sync don't get me started <laughs> and then um in a trl appearance Chris Kirkpatrick, uh, with the, like, like they asked NSYNC about it, and they mostly just kind of didn't say anything, but Chris Kirkpatrick uh, made a specific comment that I'm trying to... I, I'm trying to wrap my head around. He compared him to Steve Irwin in the sense of, like, like Steve Irwin is, the is you know, hunting crocodiles, and Eminem is, like looking for trouble i guess <laughs> something that's like that so random <laughs> well, it, was, it was 2001 that's such a piece you know? yeah i was gonna say that's such a piece of like a bygone era of pop culture where you'd be like oh yeah i'm dissing on this guy but calling him steve Irwin. <laughs> yeah so that is why chris kirkpatrick gets his own diss on without me uh which he was very upset about <laughs> um the Limp Bizkit thing is really interesting because eminem and Limp Bizkit were actually pretty close and they were like going to collaborate a couple times. Then Eminem had beef with Everlast, and um, Limp Bizkit was actually going to help Eminem with his Everlast diss track. They were going to like provide some kind of, you know, skit or, or background vocal or whatever for it. And then they pulled out at the last minute. Apparently, there's some kind of label relationship between Limp Bizkit and Everlast. And then later on TRL, DJ Lethal said that Everlast could beat Eminem in a fight. So. M threw out a diss at Limp Bizkit. Fred Durst said that he was hurt by the diss. He thought that he and M were still good and that they haven't spoken since then. This was in 2013, uh, so I don't know if they have in the 10 years since then, but, you know, that that was a that was a, a hurt feelings moment for Fred Durst. I, have you, I assume you know the meme where it's like Eminem throwing a hamster at somebody. Whoa. Uh, plague be upon <laughs> ye. Yeah, there's someone else uh, who went and made the same, like literally the same thing with Fred Durst. And un- unless you're paying attention, they look like the exact same image because Fred Durst and Eminem just look so similar in that one like whoa image. And I kind of love it. Yeah. After that, we get an Eminem staple, the Paul Rosenberg skit. Yep. Where he. Um once again alludes to the the incident with kim tells tells eminem to like not bring guns around because he's going to get in trouble and then that transitions into sing for the moment which is very interesting is this the one where he because i know there's only one song that he sings all the way through and i thought it was sing for the moment but then when i was listening to it i was like oh maybe i'm thinking of a different track yeah that is um Haley's song right yeah okay Sing for the moment is the 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 one with the Aerosmith sample, yep. Um, which is in itself kind of an allusion allu- to "Walk This Way," um, but uh, is also just sort of like you know something rappers do, especially in the two thousands. They have a big album and they get some super expensive sample for it. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, more rap rock on this track. Also, um, he returns to the theme of like his influence on well-off white kids and how that like frightens white america but he sort of this is where he sort of touches on 
the the, the con- like the dissonance first of all of like people who came from nothing suddenly having all this fame and success and mm-hmm. being you know integrated into this upper crust and then you know people who come from that class kids who come from that class like like those like, like that those those like lower class sort of you know less refined or whatever ideas and sounds and that that, that idea of like you know the the rich kids are looking up to the poor kids as yeah. well yeah so he he sort of touches on that weird kind of how it sort of upsets the the status quo in uh, a more in-depth way on this track yeah this track's really interesting to me and it's another one that i love and again this is another one that i feel like the words really stood out to me when i was listening to it in 2020 um because it's you know nightmares to white parents whose worst fear is a child with dyed hair who likes earrings like there's something about that that is really interesting to me especially because there was so much homophobia like like that that was such a like talk point around him and it was like he's so homophobic and i'm like when i think of a kid with dyed hair and earrings i think of queer kids like yeah and it's like yeah it's sort of an underexplored sort of tension with eminem is that he is like he he is like fruitier yeah, a lot of his sort of sort of hip hop counterparts, and I think he plays off of that a lot. I mean, he has the the Ken Kenneth character and the you, you know lyrics where he jokes about being gay or bi or whatever inter- intertwined with the homophobic lyrics, and then obviously this lyric that we're talking about right here. I I, I think that's something that is is not explored that much, but it's yeah. definitely like a core part of the whole Eminem thing. Yeah, literally in the in Without Me, he does the line about ovulating now he's on his period you know yeah. like it's it's almost uh it reminds me of like the jackass guys like the jackass guys mm-hmm. have said like so pointedly that we know who our audience is and we know that what we're doing is like really homoerotic we're gonna lean into that we're gonna make people face the fact that like what they're really into is a bunch of guys like shirtless and like i don't know doing all kinds of each other's bodies yes exactly you know and eminem is he gets into that and i appreciate that and i think that's part of why i connected to it so much in the time that i did because it was like it i don't know there's something about it that talks to my sort of just like angry queer kid like that whole part of my my life yeah and that's something that you could argue is really lost with you know post-overdose like comeback eminem era yeah music is you know he's 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 like drop the homophobia but like a little homophobia as a treat but like when he does it now it's like he's this this like very you know bulky like 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 very straight mask kind of dude yeah and, and, but but like not even in like a homoerotic way like he just wears like 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 hoodies and like baggy jeans and <laughs> all yeah. the time and it's yeah, like and there's something about the beard era of eminem that feels beard, very yeah. like closed off and still performative but less performative than his early stuff where it's like he's dyeing his hair blonde and just like being so like the way that he performs gender and the way the way he performs his gender is so exaggerated and so broken down into like 
all these different identities and all these different selves and mm-hmm. like the way he you know slim shady that's where all the violent impulses go but then he'll drop mm-hmm. back into like a martial song where it's like oh but actually i'm gonna rap about like my family and my daughter and like he sort of breaks himself down into these different parts that again yeah. like speaks so much to me as a trans person and is part of why i love his work but he loses that in the later stuff even like um oh what's the song on the most recent album where it's the one where he's singing about the shooting at the ariana grande concert mm. and he like bri- he like bri- he's like sings from the point of view of the shooter and he sort of bring back slim oh, yeah. a little but other than that yeah, there's a, yeah. it's a there's a real flattening of this sort of like i love how he's got like so many names he's eminem he's marshall mathers he's slim shady like and that it gets flattened in the later stuff yeah, I feel like music to be murdered by brings brings back some of that theatricality a little yes. bit, but yeah. like not enough in my opinion. Yes, yes, no, and I think that's part of why. And what like... he does, the 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 one track discombobulated, where he's like fully getting back into the the, the slim shady mode. On I don't know if it's the A side or the B side, but yeah. that was a moment where it's like you could have been doing this the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like part of why I loved the B sides is because like um, Alfred's song just like starts with like sound effects of a woman dying you know and like mm-hmm. uh his like covid music like it it feels very like he's tapping into something that he wasn't in the rest the other album just felt the re- the first half of the album just felt so mainstream and then when it's he's like no i'm gonna make a covid album i'm gonna make a song where i joke about like where i compare myself to covid itself and like talk about yeah. the bats that spread it and like he's got the bit where he like stops be like i gotta wipe down my mic with a lysol wipe and it's like <laughs> like he he just doesn't i think part of why i love the yeah. b-sides is because it brings back that like older eminem or that younger eminem of like just being so in your face and wacky and not giving a shit yeah that project is a step in the right direction yeah. for sure yeah um the, one of the interesting things on uh, the really interesting things on Sing for the moment is he's talking about how you know, like if his lyrics were true, he wouldn't have custody of his daughter. Yeah, and like you know, sort of pointing things out. And I I like the fact that he he contrasts himself with what he's been saying up to this point on the album yeah. by being like, I didn't pistol whip that guy, I punched him. And that th- that's like a I don't know that's it, it's really interesting to like directly change like, like, like sort of unreliable narrator yourself and, and like step out of the scene and point out the, like the differences between like the real him and the and and you know eminem slim shady etc yeah like it's the the levels and the different separations between his identities are being he's shining a light on the space in between them in this mm-hmm. which is getting back to that sort of like it's when he's focusing sort of on that space and the way he breaks himself into different parts. Yeah, it just really that in, it speaks to me. We see that in the video for the song too, where it's like contrasting like his con- his concert footage, where he's just got these massive crowds with like him in like a dingy like just just like the room from Saw, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there's also there there it, it, it's also just like a song without easy answers because like as it closes off he's talking about how like exaggerated lyrics about like crime and guns and so on can like inspire kids to follow them and go shoot people um but then he's like 
the he he he's he's like the reason we do it is to be like a voice for the voiceless and to yeah. you know that like 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 the poor kid in the inner city in the trailer park or whatever is going to hear that and be like and feel seen in in a, in a way that they've never been felt seen before but it doesn't necessarily like put out an answer like 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 here's why the whole thing is okay actually like it points out the you know the little bit of hypocrisy the little bit of danger in it as well yeah yeah it's this is the line that i was thinking of came comes from where he's talking about like we carry guns because we need to and these white suburban mm. kids think that it's cool and it's him basically laying down the like i might rap about how cool it is but it isn't right it's it's terrifying and you kind of yeah again the line where he's like talking about um kids who go through shit and how he just wants them to like have something to put on and listen to and vibe to mm -hmm. definitely latched onto that lyric <laughs> yeah um when i was going for the a next, walk in the woods the next track is superman <laughs> uh one of the one of your more classic like impish you know edgy eminem kind of <laughs> ain't i a stinker tracks yeah um there's something to be said, I think, about how, like, it's his toned-down album, and yet it seems like there are so many songs that are, like, targeted at specific women, and there, <laughs> and there is, like, this, this track that's more, like, um, you know, more of the, like, general, like, Eminem misogyny character thing. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't love this song. <laughs> no, I mean, this is, this one and Drips are the two I skip the most. Yeah, I, I, I like the beat and I like that he's doing a different flow from like that that lose yourself flow he's doing on a lot of the album, but um the uh, the video is kinda of funny. Um it's like the nineties R and B kind of parody, but yeah, it's uh it probably didn't need to be on the album. It feels a little too self indulgent, I think, to me. Which is saying something for Eminem that like this is the one where I'm like, I think he went a little too far. <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, there's there's an extent to which, like, if this album had just been, like, like, like buttoned down, like, you know, sing for the moment, clean out my closet, um, sold, like, like, if it had just been stuff like that, you know, it would be like Eminem's totally sold out. And, and there was an element of, like, he needs to have, like, the controversial, provocative, edgy yeah. side be in there. Yeah. But, yeah. There, there are better songs that do that, I think. Yeah. The next song is uh, Haley's song. Right. Yes. Which... <laughs> I never like it. It's like this, and there's a song on Marshall Mathers... There's a song on Marshall Mathers LP2 where he does this too. I never like it when he's, like, singing for more than 10 seconds at a time. <laughs> I think it's interesting as... It's so, like, in the fact that it's the only one that he sings all the way through. I remember Googling it at one point and being like, is this the only one? And it really is. Yeah, there's also um, Stronger Than I Was is the other one. But, okay, uh, right. Yeah, yeah, but it's, uh, it's a rare thing and an interesting thing. But yeah, you know, he's, he's obviously not a singer. I think he knows that. Um, and I, I like, I always, you know, I like the concept behind him having, like, the 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 singing songs and uh like you, I, I like the concept of this song i just don't think it's very listenable yeah it it's interesting because he's like so often spoofs or rags on like he's always dissing will smith which i think 
it's funny that then like he has his song where he's like actually i'm just gonna sing to my kid and like like he does the thing that will smith does so often or that will smith like famously did where he's like let me have a song to my kid you know just the two of us mm-hmm. um which of course eminem like directly parodied um i do always appreciate when someone who isn't good at singing gets famous and sings like like henry rollins yeah. or even like lin-manuel miranda yeah. you know like yeah. as someone who can't really sing but who loves to sing i always just love it when i see somebody make it i'm like good for, good for you <laughs> Yeah, and there's, you know, the classic kind of side project of, like, Jeremy Renner's going to drop a song, Vin Diesel's going to drop a song, you know, that's that's always a nice thing to see, but um, when you're a musician and you're putting it on an album, it's it's sort of a different different story, I think. Yeah. Uh, Next, there's the Steve Berman skit, where uh, the head of Interscope uh, is about to tell him what he thinks of the album, and then Eminem shoots it. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And then there's When the Music Stops featuring D12. I love D12. Like, so much. Definitely my favorite of, like, the groups that he does. Or that he's... Like, the other side project. Not just Eminem things that he does. D12 is my favorite. I... Don't really agree, but... I like... I like the beat of this song a lot. I like uh, M's verse a lot. Um, he like returns to, he, he returns to some of his beefs. He talks about the Mariah Carey beef and then the cannabis beef. And, but then at the end of the verse, he's like, um, uh, when we confuse hip hop with real life that, uh, when the, when the music stops, you know, that's sort of like the, the, the unifying theme of the song, even though it's not touched on by everyone, but just that idea of like, you know, like shit gets crazy when you start treating music like it's real life yeah yeah i'm sort of thinking trying to think about like why i love the d12 stuff so much and i think part of it is like i think the beat is always really good and then i love the way that they like talk to each other and sort Mm. of like it's it's different i don't listen to a lot of rap but like i feel like sometimes when you feature someone on track or when you have other people on track it's just sort of like oh and here's their verse and d12 Mm. it always sounds like they're like having a conversation they're talking back and forth they're they it, it like it feels like they are all in the recording booth at the same time even though like they almost definitely weren't you know yeah i find i find most of the other verses on this song pretty generic like the proof verse doesn't really say anything but i do think it's like pretty good the bizarre verse i've always been annoyed by bizarre he's, <laughs> he you know he's like doing the eminem sh- sort of like shock jock thing but he's just sort of like saying random shit there's no like <laughs> connective tissue to it yeah with this first like i you know the 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 stuff that's like um flying down sunset smoking crack transvestite in the front eddie murphy in the back it's like i like like i i find that annoying but i like the overall concept of the verse of like you know ways that his life would have been fucked up if he was taking hip-hop seriously yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Which, which, it's a fun concept for the verse yeah the the line that always stands out to me is nwa said fuck the police now i'm in jail the next track is uh say what you say featuring dr dre uh always a pleasure when these two get together absolutely they this song also touches on a beef dre this is jermaine dupree um and then and then m brings it back around to cannabis there's connective tissue there because i think cannabis was like signed to jermaine dupree if i'm not mistaken um 
but the background of that is that uh, Jeremy Dupree did an interview where he said, um, whether it's Puff or anybody that people want to call my competition, I'll take them out, hands down, ain't nobody in the industry that can do what I do, not Dre, not Timbaland, not anybody. And so, um, and, and that's another track. It's like, what about Jermaine? Fuck Jermaine. He don't belong speaking minor Timberland's name. It's, uh, you know, that that's the story there. Well, I'm trying to think of like, even what I have to say about this song. And I think it's just, it's solid, but it's never one that stood out to me as something that I particularly connected with. It's not a highlight for sure. There are some fun lines though. There's, um... Five mics in the source, I ain't holding my fucking breath, but I'll suffocate for the respect for I breathe to collect a fucking check. <laughs> yeah. Um, the line, I joke when I say I'm the best in the booth, but a lot of truth is said in jest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, This it's a fun track. There's fun lines on there. It's I, I, I find it fun to compare Will Smith and Eminem because they're like, when I was younger, Will Smith was like the only rapper I knew at all. And then mm-hmm. now I love Eminem as well. And they're so different. And this sounds so much like this is such an Eminem version of a, of a song that Will Smith has done a thousand times where he's like, <laughs> I don't true. care what people say. I'm the coolest. Like that's Will Smith has always, always got at least like two of those on every album. And this is just it's like true. Eminem's version of that. Yeah. It's a fun uh, perspective to to be like. I knew Will Smith, and then I knew Eminem, who's always dissing Will Smith. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's, it's funny, because when I was younger, like, part of why I liked Will Smith was that it was so... It wasn't what I had been told rap music was. Like, it was just fun, mm-hmm. really pop, and, like, you know, there's no swearing. It's something I could listen with my mom around and, like, not be, like, scared. Um, like, it, it, it's Disney, it's fun, you know, it's Men in Black, and I still love it, but it's just so fun to to just get the complete other side of that and love it for being the complete other side of that. The next track is Till I Collapse, which is sort of like, in like a smooth criminal kind of way, just sort of low-key become the most popular song on the album. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't even a single. Like, it, it, it you know, the, the big hits on this album, Cleaning Out My Closet and all the things I talked about, it is the most streamed non-single of all time on Spotify. I did not know that. Damn. Yeah, it, it, it has become a huge hit. And I think part of that is, you know, first of all, Eminem developing this reputation as being like someone to listen to while you work, while you work out. And this yeah. being like, you know, an early like, like peak Eminem version of that. And also Nate Dogg dying, people going back and kind of like, like appreciating all of his stuff more. But it's also like, I don't know, I think this is one of the, like, there's less, like, subject matter going on in this song. Um, It sort of foregoes, like, overarching themes in favor of more, like, of the, like, verbal gymnastic stuff that Eminem is sort of more known for now. Yeah. Um, In particular, I think that uh, the song Survival feels very indebted to this, but he, you know... The thing I didn't know until very recently is that the drum beat on this song is taken from We Will Rock You. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, good track. <laughs> I, I enjoy it. I get why it's yeah. so one of the, his most popular. Because, again, it's like um, Without Me, where it feels like it's, like, a culmination of the rest of the album. And also, like, 
I see why it's one that's gone more mainstream. Yeah, the the one sort of uh, insightful thing on this track, I guess, is um, the the bit on the first verse where he's like, is it a miracle or am I just a product of pop fizzing up? And that idea of like, you know, because that's something that it's an element of the, it's something that I feel like I would come up with if we were talking about how Abaddon got to where he is, is like the fact that there was like the backlash to to pop music yeah, <laughs> and, and hip hop and R&B overtaking it on the charts in the early 2000s. And the question of like, is... Is is that why Eminem became a big deal? You know, like, like, like that. That's that's an interesting thing to to say on an album. Yeah. Again, he's so self aware, for lack of a better way to put it. Like he he hits on everything that people are mad at him about, or that people might say against him. Like he, every, everything he does is a defense against um, mm-hmm. other people. But also, his defense is always an offense because he's always pushing it, pushing back. Right. So yeah, that's a fun, that's a fun track. Probably, I mean, you know, without me is my favorite on this album. But uh, there's one more song, My Dad's Gone Crazy with Haley. I love this song. This was my favorite on the album for a really long time. It's a fun one. It's fun. I love the beat. It's great to like sing along to. It's when I, I like, I crank it up when it comes on in the car. Yeah, it feels like a, you know, a combination of the stuff that he's talking about on, um... Uh, sing for the moment where like like to be to be playing this character and also like having Haley sort of you know join him and, and like having fun in the booth with him yeah um but there's also some really fun i mean from the first verse as we were talking about before i'm out the closet i've been lying my ass off all this time me and dre been fucking with hats off <laughs> yeah yeah great stuff and there's also the great, you know, when he's talking about the bushes and he says he's going to blow every fucking thing except Afghanistan <laughs> on the map off. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> Which him, is, you know. He takes all the things that he's talked about on both serious and silly levels and just shoves it all to its silliest in the most fun way. Like, I love the next verse where he's got his whole, like, many lines about, like, uh, have uh, I'd rather eat pussy have a pussy glued like he goes like that whole bit where he just like pops off and you're just like what's happening and uh what like like i think one of the the biggest laughs i've gotten from listening to an Eminem song is on the second verse where he's like it's like my mother always told me <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's really good everything that he's done on the other songs but now he's like let's get goofy with it and also my daughter's here yeah yeah. Which again feels like a dig at Will Smith, who famously well, had his son on his album. Yeah, I I, I think it's like it, it's not my favorite on the album, but it is like conceptually sort of like the the most conceptually fun song on the album, I think. Yeah. He she directly mentions Vanilla Ice. Like he he's going for it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after that is the Curtains Close skit where we bring out the Ken Kniff character, uh, which is this is a very strange sort of progression where like the 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 bit in the on the first album is that he's like a gay guy who calls Eminem and and tries to like hook up with him, and then on the second one he's having a threesome with the Insane Clown Posse, and then on this one he does like the. The, the the gay sort of parody lyrics for without me mm-hmm. and then when he's reintroduced later it's with that bit of him doing like 
gay versions of Eminem. <laughs> yeah. Which kind of gets back to that thing where it's like he's playing with, like, he's sort of playing with these ideas in a way that makes it inescapable for his audience to think about it. Mm-hmm. And there's much that can be said on what it actually achieves with, especially the audience yeah. at the time that it was being listened to. Like, it's one thing to go back now and be like, look at how fun these elements of Eminem are. Like, look at how, like, homoerotic it is. And, like, it's one thing to go back and comment on it. Like, I love 80s action movies, and there's so much that's been written about the homoeroticism in them. But it's it's different to go back and for me to love them for that now than at the time when it was directly influencing, like, cis guys and the way they thought about masculinity. Yeah, and, and there's something to be said about, like... Eminem's character or characters as we're talking about there's this idea of him as like this this sort of devilish like you know cartoon villain kind of guy that allows him to be homoerotic and be just sort of not traditionally masculine yeah um for for that like to be real uh, a largely homophobic audience yeah 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 it's a I, I feel like, I don't know, I never want to, I never know how to, like, express how much I love Eminem and, like, why, because mm-hmm. it's so specific to, like, a, the place I was when I really got into him, because it's, like, I don't want to be, like, oh, I'm reclaiming Eminem, because it's, like, I don't, right. there's nothing there to necessarily rec- reclaim, I'm just deciding that he's, he's for us now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it's something that happened with Elvis, too, to bring it back into that conversation, is that, um... Elvis, in in the style of some of the other rock and roll guys of his time, would you know, um, have like have like makeup on and be wearing like bright pink suits, and and have this you know heavily styled hair, this really really skinny guy in the oversized suit, you know, and it was he was definitely there was there was this story about how. Um, some tabloid was printing that that Eminem, that 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 Elvis <laughs> might be gay, mm-hmm. and the and the colonel heard about it and was like, "Well, did they spell his name right?" <laughs> yeah, I I just think that you know, to to look at this album overall to start to get into that, I I think that M uh is 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 not to be dismissed, you know, like yeah. like everyone will typically say, you know. He's he's very gifted as a writer and as a performer, um, and then you know there's 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 a ton of like very problematic stuff yeah. to, to, to yeah. talk about with him, to talk about with him as well. But I think there are it, it's something that gets lost I think in a lot of the discourse about like pulling up things from the past is that in for most of the two thousands like an idea of comedy was to say something offensive (laughs) you know like like shock value was its own its own phenomenon in like like in the 2000s and in the 90s at various points throughout history but especially in those eras and eminem definitely belongs to that and i think there are more complex things going on under the hood in terms of his relationship to gender and to hip-hop and to rock and like there there's other things going on there that i think he was content to just let exist up until this album and then i think something to do with 9-11 and the 
encroachments on free speech that followed from that and also the the boycotting of the Grammys and his performance with Elton John and all that. He was like, I need to make myself a little more clear. Yeah. And that's what this album is. Yeah. He's just saying it. He's not couching it in... Well, he's couching it a little, but it, it's less than on the previous albums. Like, there's there's less char- there's less of the characters on this. Like, Slim Shady's still mm-hmm. there, but compared to the last two albums, it's not nearly as much. It's much more just, I am Eminem. Here is what Eminem has to say. Yeah, and there's an interesting tension where when we talk about this as, like, our favorite album of his, as his best album, it is his tamest album, and it is the album that's the least, like you know if kind of socially the the most like socially acceptable you know if you if you put this on with friends they may they're not going to hear anything that like makes them really upset you know i think there is sort of the social element of that and yet it is also sort of eminem at the height of his power as a performer um you know bringing in like some of his most interesting like political stuff and some of his most interesting like thematic stuff um yeah you know it 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 kind of does gel in a way that uh most of his other albums don't i feel like having listened to this and talked about it i might need to and maybe this will be the next time we come together but i i might need to go back to like the first couple albums and like i feel like now that we're assessing it on this level, I feel like I need to assess everything on this level to actually be like, this one's my favorite. Yeah, yeah. There, and there's a lot of the stuff, like, after Encore, I have not listened to nearly as much. Um, mm-hmm. It's literally either, like, his most recent stuff or his really early stuff that I listen to the most. And I remember when I first listened to the Slim Shady um, el- album and being like, c- like, it, it, because I had listened to this one so much, I was unprepared for how graphic that one, the, his mm-hmm. first album was. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me that like even, it's interesting to me that this album sort of works as a gateway drug to the rest yeah. of his career. And it yeah. works really well on that level of like, you get into it, you really like his style, you really like his writing, and then you listen to like brain damage. And it's like, oh yeah. No, this guy goes so much harder on his other album. Yeah, and I think there's a thing with, like, again, post-overdose Eminem, where, like, his... I, I like the Marshall Mathers LP2 a lot. That That is another one that I consider to be uh, uh, one of, my favorite of his more recent albums. But yeah. I, I think um, listening to Eminem now is, like and and a, a copy of a copy of a copy it's like it's so far removed from the original context that i yeah. think someone who didn't grow up with eminem would listen to something that eminem put out recently and be like what is this <laughs> yeah there there's something so specific i think to just like pop culture in the late 90s and early 2000s that allowed someone like eminem to reach that level and this is kind of the album again because those like you know violent and shocking things are toned down and just because it's like you know him at a really high level as a performer with really high level production and all that big hits like this album you can listen to this and get it even without 
the whole context of Eminem that yeah. that makes a lot of his stuff not digestible today. Yeah, yeah, because some of his stuff comes across so random. Especially, I feel like he's done at least two songs with Bruno Mars. He did one, or like his he's he's sampled on Ed Sheeran multiple times. Like Ed Sheeran loves Eminem and has gotten him to be on multiple of his songs. It's like so yeah, like it it's so bizarre. It doesn't. Like, it feels otherworldly when you're listening to Ed Sheeran and Eminem at the same time. Um, yeah. And this is the album that feels the most down-to-earth in that sense of, like, it's just, like, a really good album. And it touches on all the themes, but it doesn't it doesn't leave you going, like, what? And, like, Googling stuff to, like, figure out, like, <laughs> how did this happen? You know? Yeah. So, Ruth, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, as always, you have been an incredible guest, and this has been a really great conversation. Um, to those of you who have been listening to us, who have been bearing with us through what I'm sure is a pretty long episode, uh, <laughs> thank you. If you like the show, you can subscribe or rate or f- follow or whatever it is wherever you're listening to it. Um, you can uh, subscribe on Substack if you want to toss me a little little change um and you can share it with your friends let people know you like the show that's one of the best things you can do uh our next episode will be on harry styles so look forward to that very intriguing much to discuss i disagree i disagree I disagree, Gary.